And just like that, we don't look like a dad anymore. Welcome back, everybody, my little cutie patoots. Today, we're back on the pod. It's been a while. We're going to do a thought experiment. I want to preface this by saying it is a thought experiment. I might change my mind, having had different conversations after this. I'm just really talking out of my booty and hoping that it lands, hoping that it hits right. If it doesn't hit right, that's fine. Just... Leave a like, comment, subscribe, rate the pod, do the things. You know the deal. You've been on the internet before. Let's get going. Oh, hey, fancy seeing you here. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Naomi, your host, and this is Mindful Movement. Where we talk about psychology, fitness, nutrition, and how all of those things are kind of the same thing, but not at all, or rather how they're connected. So let's get to it. All right, y'all, let's dive in. Today, a thought experiment. I was minding my own business, thinking to myself, as I often do, about some stuff. And I'd like to bring that thought experiment here. Let me know what you think. And I'm serious because I think there will be a lot of good opinions about this. I'm not sure. So the first thing is this. There's this argument to be made that we learn to feel emotions through our bodily sensations, meaning we feel them through our body. We identify the physical feeling and then we can kind of place language to it or understand it better. We learn this as children. This is an argument. It could be true. It could be false. But let's pretend for the sake of today and our thought experiment that that is the truth. And I do think that it holds a lot of merit. It then leads me down the train of thought to say, well, if that's how emotions are learned, we look to our parental figures to place names to our emotions. Often we do this with children and we say, Does that make you feel sad? I can see that you're angry. Um, This usually happens in a certain realm of emotions. We usually don't call out the feeling happy or um, I need a feeling wheel. I'm, I'm just lacking the language here. Okay, we've got our feeling wheel up. So core feelings. If you guys don't know what a feeling wheel is, you can just... Google it. You can just look it up on the Googles. (laughs) Um, But there's six core emotions and it kind of helps us dive down and hone in on that feeling. And it was created by Dr. Gloria Wilcox. What a gem. What a freaking gem. So there's bad, fearful, angry, disgusted, sad, happy, surprised. This feeling wheel that I am looking at, I think I disagree with. I don't know that bad is a feeling. Bad, 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 bad. How is bad different than fearful? Anyways, that's a completely different sidebar. We can debate that on another day. Anyways, it's important to note the structure of the feeling wheel because angry is next to fearful, is next to bad, is next to surprise, is next to happy, is next to sad. So 
as it gets larger, the feelings uh, are splayed out. So exposed, when we root that down, it's actually fearful, but it's close to the angry side and not as close to the bad feeling side. Sad, disgusted, happy are all neighbors as well. Sad is sandwiched between disgusted and happy. I know this all sounds very confusing. I'm just going to put a link in the show notes. But sad, if we pick something like embarrassed, sad is the root feeling of embarrassed, but it's right next to disgusted because feelings happen on a spectrum and I've gone on a sidebar for far too long now. My point here is we don't call out positive emotions, often happy or surprised. That leaves sad, disgusted, angry, fearful, and bad. I might argue that usually for our children, we only place a name to angry and sad. We don't have this innate ability to sense feelings in other people and be able to communicate it well. To be clear, we have the ability to sense the feelings in other people. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying our ability to communicate that to others is somewhat poor. If you ask, some people might say, it's a look, it's language. All of these things lack a specific organ, right? Sensory organ, nose. What's it do? It senses smell. (laughs) Ears, they hear, they sense sound vibrations, right? Eyes, sight, we've all, tongue, taste, we're all on the same page, right? Feelings, you don't have a feeling organ, You don't. So we are forced to place language to it. Our feeling organ is a mix of verbal communication language to be able to communicate that and our mental capacity to be able to do so. So there has to be language and language has a limit inherently. So if we're trying to communicate feelings for one another in in any way, shape, or form, or even just ourselves, because it has to be kind of taught. No one has to teach you how to hear. Nobody has to teach you how to smell. Nobody has to teach you how to see. Do you? Are you, are you, are you gluing this all together? I hope so. So if all of those in our thought experiment, if all of that stands to be true, and we're teaching our children this ability to sense and feel their own feelings through language, which has a limit, and then they have the other half. We can only give half of that sense. So if I look at a child and I say, does that make you sad? Or I say, depending on their age, because I I do think that depending on the age depends on how you parent your child. So, and it depends on the child. Like we can't parent everybody the same, but that's a completely different wormhole. So if I look at my child and I say, you're sad, okay? They're like two, two, two years old. You're sad. Yeah, two is too old. Eh, maybe. I don't know. Look at the non-parent, you know? Is it showing? <laughs> okay, so nine-month-old. You're sad. You're mad. That evolves into a question. Are you sad? Are you mad? Are you happy? Is that bad? Which then should evolve to another question, which is, how does that make you feel? And I think often this question, people look down on this question. Like it's like a therapist, like in an office, like, oh, how does it make you feel? 
It's a really loaded question and it's often just kind of like brushed off. People don't often feel the emotion. You can say that makes me my heart race. That's a good one. Um, and, and you start in this physical sensation realm and then we start to walk through into what that actually maybe feels like inside of you. And you might not have the language for that. And I think inherently because there's not a lot of language to be able to be placed on a feeling you can describe a feeling as best as you want but language is limiting when you go to describe a feeling so if we're teaching our children feelings with this inherently limited ability how then do we learn and i think the answer to that is we learn through interpersonal relationship and we teach each other. I have this little micro piece. Do you have this little micro piece? Da, 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 da. And it all starts to pile together. But, and there's another piece of this. In teaching and leading, and I believe this, I think I believe this wholeheartedly, <laughs> there's an art to leading people. And there's a difference between leading and parenting well and leading and parenting poorly. And I'm not saying parenting is leading and leading is parenting, but hopefully you can draw enough uh, similarities there. My point here is that if we are all kind of ill-equipped, how then do we learn to feel? And I know that sounds really silly because you're like, I feel all the time. Do you? It's really hard for people to place language to how they feel or to identify all of the feelings in that wheel, the full spectrum. And that is a powerful tool. But how is that done? How do we become higher evolved beings to be able to identify, communicate, and really hone in on the starting place of a lot of problems because feeling and thinking are two different worlds and we try to mash them together you can't do that if you call somebody a racist they can't tell you they feel any differently because you think one thing and they feel another so we use these logic and these data points to try to like cross contaminate things and there's no good argument if you've been accused of being a racist there isn't one because it's it's in feeling land And you can't communicate that because you lack the sensory organ to both sense it and then give it away, which is, which is really interesting. So if we have these feelings and we're unable to kind of learn properly and we're ill-equipped and we go out and we try to form relationships as adults or as adolescents in the real world, we start colliding into one another and we start using other people as, I don't want to say we blame them, but we never learn to sit in the feeling and let it just fill us up and let it move through us, right? There's this thought in a lot of, uh, I don't want to call them religions, uh, schools of thought around enlightenment and things like that. Um, and I don't want to belittle it. I'm just trying to simplify it because it's not that important to explain it right now. But it's in letting things, whether those be biological um, tuggings or feelings, 
like scratching an itch or thinking and feeling certain feelings and just letting them be. We don't learn to let them be because with our language, we say you're sad. We instantly try to fix it. Why do, why do we do that? Because you're often the teacher or being taught by somebody who loves you. And when you love somebody, this feeling can kind of taint the lesson in a way. And that's kind of really, it's sort of poetic. It's kind of sad, but, and, and, and some of you might be like, no, you're wrong. Love is pure. Love is this, love is that. It doesn't mean love isn't pure. Love can taint the message. That's the truth. It happens all the time. So if, if we're teaching our children and we say, are you angry? Are you sad? Bad, bad emotions, right? We instantly, instantly, instantly try to fix it. Let me give you this. What can I do to help you? How can I help you? That can be useful at times, but it, it, it creates beings who do not know how to move through it. You don't know how. It's never been taught. And unless you teach yourself or you get lucky and you learn to just kind of walk through it and sit in it, you can sit and be really, really sad and just notice. It doesn't have to be the driver of your ship. Sometimes it is. Sometimes there's this, there's trauma and feelings and, and that's a whole different ball of wax. I'm talking about just no trauma involved, no trauma triggers, just feelings that you feel. People get sad and like, uh, their day's ruined or they don't want to feel that way. So they try to get rid of it. Let me eat to numb it. Let me exercise to get it away. Let me over manipulate and control my environment with OCD to try to not OCD, but effects simile of like overcorrecting and cleaning my environment to make me feel better now i have control in my environment i feel like i'm in control of my life that's a real thing um people do this with substances people do this with social situations introverts do this with their inner worlds they create um, idealizations all of these things have purpose and tool and reason but i spoke about discomfort and being uncomfortable and how being uncomfortable is this catalyst for change. And I talked about substance abuse in that or just substances in general, not even abuse. There's a bigger piece to this that says we're ill-equipped, or maybe we are because this is a thought experiment, to handle due to multiple things I've already discussed, which is organ sensing, the, the limits of language, and the need for identification and language to spot out and call out a feeling and then do something about it because love kind of taints the lesson so you're angry don't be angry anymore you're sad don't be sad anymore that's what we learn that's what we learn how often do you see a parent or a leader say you're sad good that doesn't happen that often why is that because love gets in the way, right? Uh, feeling, uh, care, empathy, sympathy, all of those things get in the way. They, they reach out and they say, we're community, we like social harmony, don't hurt anymore. And that's natural, that's normal. But I think there's a certain 
way people 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 often don't understand tough love tough love is a way to try to remove the love out of tainting the lesson i hope that you guys can understand that tough love is a way of removing the love from the situation to stop tainting the lesson by keeping it in and saying it's because i love and care for you that i'm letting you sit in emotion so my argument that i'm trying to make here as is For our children, at what point and when or should we ever say, you're sad? Sit in it. Understand it. Feel it. Let it move through you. Moves through everybody differently. Don't numb it. Don't don't eat. Don't drink to do all of these things to try to squash it down. Just feel it. Nobody ever wants to just feel it. It's okay. It's good. The more that you learn to feel all of the bad things and all of the good things, some people don't let themselves feel excitement, joy. They don't let that happen because they learn somewhere in their life, whether it be out of love or not, to just get rid of it. You, you know what I mean? So I, if all of that logic train is true and the web that I've created makes any sense to you, does it hold any weight? That I am not sure of. It makes sense to me as I sit with no outside bing force. But I will say, I will say this. I highly encourage whomever you are who's watching this or listening to this, next time you feel anything, whatever it might be, just feel it. And I think that it's really there's this so meditating is like super in right now right okay that's there's a reason for that when you meditate it's about let's not even talk about meditation there's who is it there's some guru somewhere who says sit hour a day no 90 minutes a day 60 days in a row just sit do nothing do nothing. Let whatever thoughts come, come. Let whatever feelings feel. And in doing this, you'll deal with your emotional inventory. And I think that this holds a lot of weight and a lot of merit because what you're doing in this instance is you're stopping and you're just existing. You're just feeling what you're feeling. And we don't do that in modern life and we're not taught that. And frankly, there's no room for it for how we live. So if we make room for it, and we witness what comes and what moves through us, how does that make us better or improved, for lack of better words? And how powerful can that be if you just sit? Do you feel like you need to be doing stuff? Why do you feel that way? Moving through, moving through, and you you start dealing with this emotional inventory. I think that if anyone who's listening to this if you guys try and practice this you'll see that you might just start crying or you might bust out in laughter and there's ways to hack this but I think actually taking the time and not hacking it and really putting in the work for 90 minutes for two months every day first thing in the morning clear head before your coffee grab a cup of water just sit just sit this is a powerful tool and and I really do believe that it teaches you to sit in your emotions and you can deal with the emotional inventory and then you can move through and be more effective in your life if that's important to you or you can just learn. 
Um, I hope that you feel like a eternal student. I think that that's powerful. That's certainly how I feel. But if nothing else, I hope the takeaway today is to let yourself sit in a feeling. And some of us can't identify those feelings. And some of us can. And I think that's it, it's important to just be, not overthink, exist, and not try to over-manipulate or over-control anything because, I don't know, it can lead us astray, I suppose. It can also not. Don't get me wrong. I'm an over-everythinger. <laughs> um, but it's in learning to feel feelings, and I think teaching our children to just sit in it, that's really, 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 really important. And I highly encourage you to do it and have those conversations with your kids after that happens. When you sat in your sadness, how did, how did that feel? How did that make you like, uh, did it change anything? What was that about? Can you explain it to me? There's limits to language. That's why we have other tools. There's massive limits to language. And that's why you can still exist if you lack language. It's harder to connect with people because this is the main way that we connect. But body language is a real thing. We're made to pick up on these, these other cues and, and, and things that are inherent to us. So understand and be able to guide. You should be able to pilot your ship better if you understand how to sit in those feelings. Because you can more quickly identify them, more quickly filter them. Filter is such a... I don't like that word. You're not filtering them. You're just letting them be, right? You're just like, yeah, I was sad. Moving on. Next, 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 next. Some people are like water. Some people are like a big slab of granite, meaning if emotions move through you, some people are like water. Some people are like a big slab of granite. It It's different for everybody. Know who you are. Are you granite? Are you sand? Or are you water? I hope you have a beautiful today. I will catch you tomorrow. Hopefully we got a little too deep for you. You got really uncomfortable and you turned it halfway off. If you stuck through, like it. If you like it, subscribe, like, leave a comment. Let me know your thoughts because I'm actually genuinely interested. We'll catch you on the next one. We'll see you on a Wednesday. Bye-bye.